drugs and sports and the future of performance-enhancing drugs. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a ReachMD special series exploring sports medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and joining me is Dr. Don Catlin, Chief Executive of Anti-Doping Research in Los Angeles, California. Dr. Catlin is former head of the UCLA Olympic Analytical Labs and has written and lectured extensively on the subject of testing for performance-enhancing drugs. He has supervised the world's most respected facilities for analyzing biological samples from athletes. Today we're going to be talking about drugs and sports and the future of performance-enhancing drugs. Don, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, as an internist in your former life, uh, taking care of patients and doing the things internists normally do, you made a a career shift of sorts and are now heavily involved in performance-enhancing drugs and athletics and the Olympics. How'd that all happen? Where'd you come from in all this? Well, everything was just quiet, normal life as a young professor at UCLA when the Olympic family sent an emissary from Switzerland and sat down with me and said, we know you know something about drugs and pharmacology. We'd like you to develop a lab and test the Olympic athletes who are coming to Los Angeles in two or three years for the 1984 Games. And I looked at their list. I talked to them, and I respectfully declined because I really didn't know that much about it, and I certainly didn't know a lot about all the steroids and drugs on their list, and so they went away. But they were back a month later, and they sat with me and my department chairman and others and explained how important it was that the United States of America develop a lab. It would be the first of its kind, and we were going to control drugs in sport in the U.S. and UCLA and my lab we're going to do it. And by the way, we would get a grant of a couple million dollars. Well, that did it. Let's talk a little bit about some of the drugs. I think most of us have an intuitive feel for why anabolic androgenic steroids are an issue. Not all of us are familiar with the human growth hormone and EPO. How do those fit as performance-enhancing drugs? What do they do for the athlete, and, and why are they prohibited? Yeah, EPO is one of the favorite drugs of athletes. It's extraordinarily powerful. What it does is it's used to treat anemias in patients that have anemia and cancer and so forth. It basically turns on the production and makes red cells, and it does that in the normal person as well. So if a normal male has a matocrit of 44 and they go on EPO, they can shoot it up real fast. And the red cells carry oxygen, which are the fuel that the muscles need, and basically you perform a lot better when your hematocrit is 50 than if it's 44. And it's just two different worlds. You've got to control it. And so sport tried for many years, but we didn't have a, a decent test for erythropoietin. And finally, a young lady in, in France figured out a way to do it, and we now have a test. And that's what we're using. It's not a traditional drug with a low molecular weight. It's not a 400 molecular weight drug like a steroid. It's many thousands. It's a polypeptide, and it's got glycogen groups hanging off it, and it's a very complicated molecule. But we have a test for it, and there we, as long as that test is being used, and as long as it keeps working, we can sort of control things. But as soon as you look sideways... The athletes will be back on it and, and taking EPO. And the, one of the big issues now is that Epigen is coming off patent or has come off patent for Amgen. 
and that allows a number of other countries and biosimilars to make compounds very similar to EPO. Which means that you need another test to detect it. Yes, it's a real pain. Compared to the use of androgenic steroids, where does epigen fit, fit in there in terms of frequency? Athletes love testosterone, they love anabolic steroids if they can get away with it, and they love epigen. But in the sports like cycling, cross-country skiing, they'll take both. But that's why we are all over this with testing almost day and night, checking this and checking that and trying to keep control of it. And with the increasing red blood cells, the change in hematocrit is not enough. Any little change will improve things, but what sport has done is they've kept the hematocrit at 50. And they say, okay, if you're over 50, you know, we're not going to accuse you of cheating because we can't prove it, but you can't play. You've got to sit out for two weeks and let your hematocrit come back down. So what they do is they titrate. How about human growth hormone? What does that do for the athlete? Why is that banned? Well, growth hormone is a really complicated drug. I mean, nobody's really sure whether it enhances performance. Everybody sort of thinks so because there's growth hormone receptors all over the body, and there are receptors on muscle and turns on muscle, but it also does other things and has a lot to do with glucose metabolism and, and so forth. And just its name is enough to frightened sport administrators, growth hormone, good grief, we have to do something about it. And sport has been trying to do something about it for 15 years, and a lot of money is going into it. It's just very difficult to find a way to detect it. When I left UCLA, actually the reason I left is I wanted to spend my time developing better tests and other doing other kinds of things than just testing itself. So I left a year ago and I have a grant now where I'm working on growth hormone and I'm working on EPO, the two big drugs that need to be, we need to find a better way to test for them. Well, we look forward to, to that work. If you're just joining us, you're listening to a special series exploring sports medicine on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Dr. Don Catlin. We're talking about drugs and sports and the future of performance-enhancing drugs. Don, let's talk about the future of testing in general. It seems to me that as you look at the landscape, that we've got cops and robbers, and we're trying to catch them after they've done something. And I get the sense from reading your work that you're not all that convinced that that's going to work, that we're never really going to stop it. Could you maybe expand on that a little bit? When I was building the lab, I kept thinking we could get our arms around it. But with Balco and other things, and just plain experienced, I, I realized that there's just so many drugs, so many more out there than I thought of, and there's so many people out there trying to figure out a way to beat the system that all we are is in a huge game of escalation, buying more and more equipment, spending more and more money, and just to sort of keep even. But when you look at the breakdown of what's going on in the the samples, many, many athletes are perfectly clean. They don't take drugs. But when we catch one and they're a named athlete, that creates a lot of noise. They get their name in the paper and And everybody starts talking more and more about drugs and sport and how we're going to control it. And I think it's a minority of athletes that do it, but they certainly do capture the press. And I'm trying to figure out a way to do something for those athletes that don't do it. I mean, the poor athlete who's good and successful 
is automatically accused of taking drugs simply because they win. I mean, that's that's a terrible way to have things be. You wrote, or at least were quoted a couple of years back, talking about a plan, I, for lack of a better term, I'll call it the volunteer plan. Is that something you're still considering? And if so, could you explain a little bit how you think it might work? I am considering it, and that's why I left UCLA in order to put my full-time into that. And so into the volunteer program as well as developing the new tests. And so that's where I'm working those two fields. But my idea is that athletes will volunteer, I think they will, and they will, to join my program where we will test them. But on the other hand, we will give them rewards for being clean. And we're going to follow them closely. We're going to have lots of doctors involved, sports medicine doctors who would actually be assigned athletes and see them all the time as patients, not as drug abusers. Most of them are not drug abusers. Most of them just want to compete fairly. But we need a system where we can get to know them and touch base with them and have them come in and go through all kinds of things to follow what they're doing and to be sure that they're clean. And I think we can do this. It's just going to take some money and time and some energy to get over the hump. It's sort of starting in programs which are now called, I call them trend analysis, where you take a urine from somebody and you monitor certain natural steroids and you plot the TE ratio, say, or the androstenedione level in the urine, or you plot some parameter of steroid in blood. And when you do trend analysis, you find that people are very stable. You know, if your T ratio is 1.4 today, it's going to be plus or minus 10% of that for the rest of your life. So if you can get on the track and get them monitored, you can see little perturbations. And we're trying to extend that model to lots of different things, which would indicate use of a bunch of different drugs. And it's beginning to catch hold. I think we're getting somewhere. And for that to catch hold, what's the constituencies that you really need to bring over to that way of thinking? I mean, is it the Olympic Committee? Is it individual athletes? It's just a bunch of people that, that think it's crazy, frankly. But they're getting, they're warming to it because they are realizing that we've been at it for 25 years. We're spending a lot of money. We're buying million-dollar mass spectrometers. And how far, and, and there's always something new coming. And yet we know that many, many athletes are clean. What are we doing to support them? What are we doing? What kind of medals are we giving them so that they can walk around with a gold medal saying, I belong to the volunteer program, and here are all the hoops I jumped through to show that I'm clean? In your travels, Don, any sense about the use of, uh, let's say, specifically anabolic steroids with younger athletes, colleges, high school teams? Is it a problem there as well? Yeah, it is. It's all over the place. And We've been testing NC2A athletes for 20 years. It's not very effective testing because they don't spend that much money on it. Each college athlete gets tested maybe once or twice in a career. It's not enough penetration to really matter, but it keeps the lid on. And now high schools in certain parts of the country, Texas, New Jersey, and so forth, have started to test high school students. And, well, 
That's where it's going. Maybe as a parting uh, message for our practicing physicians out there, is there anything in particular that we should be asking about or looking for or being aware of in our patients who, not professional athletes, but maybe athletes of some sort, of some stripe, that would make us more concerned and be more of a physician rather than a cop with respect to steroids? No, physicians should be physicians. When you start playing the role of the cop, you got troubles. But they will know automatically just from their basic training. If somebody is putting on 20 or 30 pounds and it's all muscle and they've got acne and all kinds of changes in blood levels of this and that, it's very clear what's going on. But it's the subtle changes where the marks aren't as deep that where the really astute physician can help. Somebody who starts hanging around a gym a lot and pumping a lot of iron, which young people will do, but that's a reason to be a little bit more alert, ask questions, because the doctor is the front line. He's right there, and he can talk to him. I want to thank Dr. Don Catlin for being our guest. We've been discussing drugs and sports and the future of performance-enhancing drugs and testing for those drugs. You've been listening to a special series exploring sports medicine on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at reachmd.com. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. Thanks for listening.